Welcome to Pondering with Peg, Episode 10. My special guest is Margie Royal, who will be speaking about runes this evening. Margie, um, when did you first encounter the runes? Well, I actually was given my first rune set as a gift, and it was I was stage managing for, for Hedgerow Theatre, and the cast got together and brought me a, a gift of the rune sets. And the set I got was not this set here, not the wooden, but it was actually the one that was made famous by Ralph um, Baum's book, uh, The Book of Runes. And uh, it had a little book in it and a little set of runes. Um, and I liked it, and I was very interested in the tarot, but I enjoyed the book, but I put it aside for a while. But about five years ago, that I really, they really started speaking to me. And it's been a long journey to really connect to them. I, I started at uh, 16, uh, falling in love with Carl Jung's work. And by the time I was in twenties, I had read his collected works of Carl Jung. And but what do you do with that if you're not a psychiatrist? It's really hard, and his his writings are very difficult. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can apply his work in terms of dreams, but it's really hard to apply his works on the archetypes to your practical life if you're not a psychiatrist. But the runes are actually archetypal energies. They are. Um, they, they're archetypes and with the runes you can apply them more immediately to your, your life what's happening in your life now uh, and connect with them in a way that helps you grow spiritually um, I work with the Elder Futhark which is the oldest of the runic alphabets and there are 24 runes in the Elder Futhark they're arranged in three rows called Etz. Etz means eight. So you have three rows of eight. The, the, we, we refer to it as the Futhark, but when these were first used, they didn't use that term. Futhark is like our quirky keyboard. It's a way to remember the ordering for the first ones. So you have F, U, TH. They combine TH together for this rune. A R K Futhark, so that's that's what that means. Um, this is the Elder Futhark. This is our ancient ancient alphabet, um, and it was used as a spiritual tool only. Later, it was used like we use our alphabet, but originally it was the shamans, probably in deep meditation, realized these these symbols uh, and, and their power and their energies. So, and what culture did that originate in? Was it, were there more than one that were using it, or no, if where you, does it go back to? If your ancestry is from Europe, like all mine is, mm-hmm. you go way, way back, like Carl Jung would take you, back, 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 pre-Christian era, this was the dominant spiritual system in right. And the, the pagan tribes went all through Europe and into Spain, a little bit mm-hmm. down to Africa, and they carried this symbol system with them. And it was later used in rune stones to uh, sanctify a space, they think, to make a hallowed ground. Mm-hmm. And then 
And in more practical terms, later it was like, this is my land. But originally, spiritual uh, uh, system, shamanic system. And we, Ralph Blom's book popularized the runes, but he didn't go to the source material. If you really want to study the meanings of the runes, you have to look at the, the little bit of literature that we have left on the runes. Mm -hmm. A lot of it was destroyed because when Europe was being Christianized, they tried to wipe out all of the pagan writings. Right. Um, and I think it was Iceland was the last holdout for uh, the last of the runic teachings, and then that was banned in the 1600s. I mean, you could be burned alive to possess the runes or teach the runes when uh, Christianity was in vogue in Europe right. uh, with Dominic. That this was this was not allowed. This this kind of teaching, and yet it's a very spiritual system, it, and a lot of the later Christian traditions have their roots in some of the pagan worship and the the ancestry and some of the teachings. Right. Can you tell us, um, you just gave us a little bit about the history. How about um, any mythology surrounding the runes? Yes, it, uh, it was, the runes were given to mankind by the god Odin. And that's important because it's not a system that somebody devised. It, it's a, it pre-exists, it's an archetype like mm -hmm. we've been saying. So the, the mythology teaches the god Odin hung on the world tree for nine days and nine nights and he gave up an eye to, and he then he spied the runes that emerged from the well of the weird beneath the world tree and screaming he fell and he gained the knowledge of these symbols so that's the that's the teaching and again it's important because you have to think of these symbols as archetypal energies that manifest in this world but they're not totally in this world they're they're they have deeper roots mm -hmm. into other dimensions and and great power with them so marjorie uh has she teaches here at power study in chester heights uh the runes she's been doing uh one rune for each week three weeks three classes so could you go over some of them with us um Maybe explain the first one. I am not going to even try and pronounce these. <laughs> well, I'm going to let you do that. Well, I've been teaching one a month, and uh, I uh, started with Feu, and this is our letter F. And if you look at the symbol, the the glyph for F, well, the, the it's turning up instead of where we would draw it straight. Um, this actually is the word for cattle. Um, but if you go to the source material, I'll just read you the, there's, there's several source of materials. There's the uh, Icelandic rune poems, there's the Anglo-Saxon rune po poems, and there's the spell songs. So uh, if you're going to, first you would look at the glyph, and look at the letter, um, and uh, Edward Thorson recommends, uh, I'm going to simplify his teaching, but he recommends the best way to learn the runes is to look at the source material, but then do a meditation on the rune after you've studied the source material um, uh, for nine days. And you would start with uh, just simply 
for uh, to trying to meditate on the, the image of the room uh, and hold it in your mind for five minutes for the first day. And what you want to count is the number of times your attention wavers and you get distracted and you think about something else. And if that happens, you just gently want to bring your mind back to the image of the rune symbol. And you want to jot down in your notebook how many times your attention broke and what came to you. What if you had an impression or an idea of something, you want to write that down. And you'll find when you do that, your, your intuition sort of focuses on the rune and you get wonderful insights to come through it. Um, so this, this is Theu, and the Anglo-Saxon uh, rune poem says about this Theu, it says, Wealth is a comfort to all men, yet must every man bestow it freely if he wishes to gain honor in the sight of the Lord. Well, you, probably this was protected from being destroyed because they were thinking it was Lord Jesus, but we actually know it's probably Lord Odin, that the rune master was speaking of there. So here you have the symbol for cattle, and yet the rune poem is talking about wealth. So you have to really kind of think about that. And also, I, I think I have the spell song. The spell song says of this rune, the first is a help which will bring thee help in all woes and in sorrow and strife. So the, the rune poems and the Havamel and the spell songs, you have to kind of approach them like you would if you were studying in a Zen uh, a teaching, where a lot of times if you read any writings of Zen, the master will, or the young pupil will ask the master, you know, what's the, what's the meaning of life? And he'll either get an answer that doesn't make rational sense or will get a knock on the head. And that's to try to get you out of thinking things and putting something like, oh, I got this, you put it in the box, I understand this. It's to get you to approach the symbol with your whole being and to be open with it. So these cryptic rune poems talk about, okay, that it means cattle. And if you think about cattle, in the early days when the runes were first, first um, being used, how did you measure the, the wealth? You probably were, had a lot of cattle, you were wealthy. Right. Um, but in today's modern world, I think it has another meaning. If you walk down New York uh, City at, uh, at rush hour, and you're one of the herd, and in theater they call, it's a cattle call. So you were, and you, I felt that walking down New York City, like how the insignificant you are, you're one of the herd, nothing distinguishes you. And yet, the rune poems talk about great wealth. And to me, it reminds me a lot of the Christian teachings where they talk about the parable of the treasure hidden in the field, that the one uh, owner just passes on to his son, mm -hmm. and the son has no value in it, but yet there's someone that inherits that land that finds the treasure and very values it. So I think a lot of that kind of information is packed into this, this rune. The idea of... Uh, a hidden wealth that you have to uncover um, and in a lot of ways looking at how you are domesticated like the cows domesticated how society conditions us how our families condition us how we're expected to be a certain way and yet this hidden wealth 
maybe we have to break away and break away from the herd to find that, which is what the next rune is, is, is an aurox, a symbol for aurox. It's eros, and it, it's the, this is the actual um, cave painting of the wild ox that's extinct in the cave of, of, uh, of France. So here you have the two, the two different symbols here with that sort of the call of the wild, mm-hmm. um, call of the and, wild. And the second one that uh, Marty is holding, how would you describe that? It's how the because they can't see it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's how would you describe it? What letter would you say this is? To me, it looks like an N. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Like a lowercase N. But. The actual uh, letter that this refers to is U. Oh, okay, right. Which is interesting because uh, the the runes are complex and they have different levels of meaning. And if you work with them, it might mean one thing for you at your time, at your your circumstance, and then a totally different meaning depending on mm-hmm. your situation. But here you have this. It does look like the letter N, um, but it is actually the letter U. And I think that sort of gives you a, a clue on how you have to work with this rune. Because this is the call of the wild, it's instincts. It's just blind instincts. It's the the energy that that makes weeds grow as mm-hmm. well as gardens. So if you think about that, the strangle the strangle vines growing mm-hmm. in the garden, you have to sort of control that. So you have to use this energy and spiritualize it. And you, if you think about how many times we've seen the pictures of the American Indians with the buffalo horns on their mm-hmm. head, well, they believe that the shamans also use that. If you think that when the, this, as I said, mm-hmm. this is the symbol for a wild ox, when the ox is ready to gore you, those horns get lowered down and they come at you. Right. But when the shaman does the ceremony to pierce those horns, to turn them up, to pierce the heaven. Mm-hmm. You can kind of think of it as the blessings are coming down. Mm-hmm. You have the guidance, so you're controlling that energy a little bit more. It kind of reminds me, growing up, um, I, my father was from Ireland, so a lot of, uh, a lot of mysticism in our family. But the horseshoe. Exactly. You'd never put the horseshoe upside down you are you always kept it where it was open up for the blessings to stay in because if you turned it they would come out and drop exactly i Mm -hmm. i think that that all comes from this yeah yes that's so interesting because i'm sure it's it's very celtic as well Mm -hmm. that's pretty neat so in the spell song that we that of this room Eros says, a second I know, which the son of men must sing, who would heal the sick. So that sort of gives you the clue. This is the, the, a lot of times when people get sick, it's because they're, they're unbalanced. They're, they, they're not, they've, they've been conditioned the wrong way. They're, they need to get back to their essential pattern. In a lot of ways, with uh, natural therapy, is trying to restore the body to a natural condition. So this rune also can be used for healing, mm-hmm. in a way. So uh, it's it's fascinating. Um, 
this is the 24 runes, like I was saying, this is not, the, the, the Elder Futh Ark is not the runes of the Vikings. The Vikings would have used the Younger Futh Ark, and uh, that was in use after the 9th century. But I like working with the Elder Futh Ark because when you, you work with the Younger Futh Ark or even the Armanan Futh Ark, which is a nine-symbol system, uh, especially in the Armanan, a lot of the meanings of the runes are compounded mm-hmm. into the nine symbols, where here you have sort of a pure uh, blend of the meanings. It's easier to study. Mm-hmm. And the now how, the Arman? Armanan, okay. yes. The and Arman. Where, where did that, was that more later? Um... That that's actually was in Germany. Uh, okay. Uh, it was a rune master. I'm not sure that I'm going to pronounce his reign, uh, name correctly, but uh, Guido von Liszt. He was an uh, Austrian mystic, and uh, in 1902, he had a cataract surgery. But he was he had studied <coughs> in studying the runes. He had a cataract surgery, and he saw the the symbols in mm-hmm. the nine orders in the Armanen, and that. Uh, his teachings went through Germany at the time, um, and that's how Hitler sort of uh, hijacked some of the rune symbols because his teachings oh, okay. were were in vogue in Germany through the time at the at the time. So, so you were so to use it. We were having a class. We were all in an oil class together. And you were really showing us some really neat stuff on how to use them. Now, obviously, that with the podcast, we can't see how it works um, physically. But you were showing us how you can um, like replicate the rune in physical form. Yes, the there, morning, like for there's, like it, when you get up in the morning, and there's actually many ways to work with the runes. Um, there's actually what they call galder. Which is vocalizing the rune, the rune symbols, uh, or the sounds of the runes. Um, then there's also rune yoga too, where you actually uh, form the body posture of the runes. But I would recommend. I think um, the right way to start is read the source material and do the meditations because five minutes, and mm-hmm. then it works up to six, and it, it does not go past ten minutes. So if it's done first thing in the morning, um, it's a wonderful way. Now, the, a lot of the Internet has some wonderful sources to study the runes. There's Northern Runes Radio as a podcast um, that are, uh, has wonderful teachings on the runes. Uh, there are many videos, some are really good on the runes. Anything written by Edward Thorson, uh, he's a master, he's a rune master, and his teachings are are wonderful. It's it's a great time to study it because it's accessible if you want to study the, right. the the symbols. So I would recommend that first before you try to do any kind of rune yoga or any uh, right. So you understand what you're yes. working with. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought you had some really interesting insights um, on vocalizing as well. And I forget we were having a conversation and you were saying about. Um, how like when people curse, you know, like our, 
we're very free with that now in our society. And you were saying how that can really affect more than you realize, like the sound of it. Yes, uh, which is a, a teaching in our religion, and we kind of laugh about it, you know, with the Christianity. But I, I, I that stuck in my head because I, I heard a teaching from a guru that uh, they were talking about uh, on the energy body, uh, not the physical body, but there's a, there's an organ on the the etheric body, I believe it is. I could be wrong about that, but it's called the vox. And it's very easily polluted by um, cursing mm-hmm. or uh, slandering somebody or speaking negatively about someone. Um, it's an organ that's sort of right in the throat area, but not on the physical body. Mm-hmm. And it gets cloudy and polluted by uh, misspeaking and cursing. And it's easy to clean by saying blessings or by prayers, mm-hmm. or, and you, you keep that energy clean. If you think of of the etheric body getting clogged, we have enough uh, things that assault us all day long, so it's better just to try to keep it energy right. energy clear as much as possible. And probably that's the reason why they galdered the runes too, vocalized the runes, chanting, that's why you say mantras for mind control, um, to focus your mind on higher things and purify the energy in right. the body. Um, it's interesting because the people that study the runes, um, they didn't look upon the body as separate. The body was part of the soul complex. Um, and if you think of that way, you're trying to purify yourself and your body's part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's just it's just really cool to be able to look at this and to be able to go online now and you can find so much more information mm-hmm. and really see it. And YouTube is great. Yes. You know, there's so we have so many more resources. Yeah. To yeah. look it up. Yeah. So, did you have any other um, anything else you wanted to say, or maybe talk about? Um, how about the third one? Well, the third one I'm going to teach actually December 9th. Okay. Uh, it's Thurizaz. Uh, it means thorn. Mm-hmm. And it's, some people will say, ah, oh, this is a really nasty rune, but it has positive sides too. The, the runes aren't one way or the other. They're like archetypal energies. They have, it's, we put the, we put the, the connotation evil, good, right. good, bad, evil, but they're just energies. And uh, it's better to know what they are, even if some of them are unpleasant, so that you know how to work with them or try to, you know, deal with them. So, so if you'd like to learn more about Thorazaz, uh, you can come on December 9th at Paris Study at 3 o'clock. Class goes from 3 to 5. And you can always check at their website, parastudy.com or org. Parastudy.org. And you can check the calendar there. And thank you, Martin. Oh, thank you so much. And look forward to hopefully doing some more podcasts with you. (laughs) And uh, look forward to our next podcast from Power Study will be with Cleta Prince on love and light. So until then, remember, be the light.